0: The following is the audio version of a video released at peakprosperity.com. Visit peakprosperity.com to watch the video and to find other insightful content such as articles, discussion forums, and exclusive subscriber-only content. Hello everyone, Dr. Chris Martinson here, and today we're gonna be using a slightly different format and style than maybe you've seen before. Today it's just my voice and the slides. Uh, I am on the road at the moment and just unable to be in my normal studio environment, but I really wanted to get you this presentation out. Episode 43, uh, lies, lies. The injuries are real. I'll let you fill in the blanks what the injuries are about because, you know, there's certain things I can and I can't talk about. So let's start here. There was a really incredible article that came out. From the Hatchard Report. That's the HatchardReport.com. You can see the link down there below. Of course, as always, I put all the links out in the comments and description below this. This is a report that came out on December 17th, and it's the relationship between COVID 19 vaccination and all cause mortality. Now, you know, I like all cause mortality. Why all cause? Well, listen. First, the sum total of all the efforts of our public health authorities, whether those happen to be at the level of an island nation like New Zealand, which is where this report comes from, or whether it's at the country level like the United States or its continent level like Australia or however you want to look at it, uh, it the really what the public health authorities ought to be doing is solving for the best overall outcome. And what's the best overall outcome? Well, if you said, look, we saved 10 people, didn't die from COVID, but we lost 400 more, saving those 100 to, I don't know, fentanyl overdoses, you failed, right? So it's it's not that hard of an argument and it should be very simple and a simple thing to ask, which is how we doing at the all cause level. And this is a really exceptional piece of work here because New Zealand gives us an extraordinary test case. I'll let Mr. Hatchard put it out in his own words. He writes here, and let me get my drawing tool out so we can go over this together. He writes here, this release presents the association between weekly vaccination totals and all-cause mortality in the 60-plus age cohort. So everybody over the age of 60, they just looked at it on a weekly basis. What happened when they were vaccinated and what happened to the all-cause mortality counts? He writes continuing, quote, this has only been possible because of our unique situation in New Zealand. Protected at our borders, we have a very low incidence of COVID, and therefore the short-term impact of vaccination on health can be reviewed in isolation from the confounding factors of COVID infections and deaths. So this is awesome because, listen, you know, did the whole idea of who died from what you want you have to remove variables the the more variables you can remove the more certain you can become and so new zealand presents a really unique case because they were vaccinating heavily an entire population but because of their really very strong border protections they didn't have covid inside the country so this is a really clean test and so let's check it out and see what was found uh, cuz it's a really good it's a it's a real-world experiment. Now, unfortunately, comes up with some fairly troubling data. He writes, quote, this has been a painful release to write because it involves personal tragedies affecting families and loved ones, some of whom are not actually aware of the causes of their loss or, in other cases, have been misled through preventable mistakes of government and civil servants. For some time, it has been clear that the rate of adverse events proximate Approximate, meaning near or close to, to mRNA COVID vaccination is unprecedented throughout New Zealand vaccination history. Adverse effects reported to CARM are running at 30 times that of flu vaccines. It's also apparent that many of the adverse events are very serious indeed. MedSafe, which is the New Zealand equivalent of FDA, has continued to maintain that they are unable to determine which effects and deaths are related to vaccination so it sounds like New Zealand has a very similar case to what we're seeing in Australia Canada UK United States a lot of Europe Uh, their health Authority particularly the one in charge of regulating the vaccine is not terribly interested in gathering the data and then you say hey look I think we see a, a relationship here and they go oh no you can't see any relationship like that you'd have to look into it and then you might say well, are you looking into it and they say oh no we haven't looked into it because there's no no evidence that there's any relationship Boop, circle catch 22 it's how they roll um this is medsafe right here medsafe uh you can find it at medsafe.govt.nz it's new zealand medicine and medical devices safety authority and they do things like medicines devices compliance things like that all right carrying on uh, in this uh, report he writes here quote i have previously written about indications pointing to a causal relationship between a wide range of adverse effects and vaccination effects range from those already admitted such as myocarditis to others recognized in a leaked pfizer document dated april 30th 2021 including respiratory illness internal bleeding kidney and liver disease neurological disease thrombotic events, including stroke, immune suppression, and many more. This is not an exhaustive list. Now, end quote. Something that's really odd to me is to see kidney and liver disease showing up for a respiratory virus. This is a very odd thing, or a as a consequence of a vaccine meant to address a respiratory virus. Seeing kidney and liver disease, really weird. Neurological disease, really weird. Internal bleeding and thrombotic events, kind of weird. Immune suppression, that's kind of one of the things you have to look out for in vaccine development. So this is a a very odd list right here, but he just raises it as a a way to begin this. And by the way, here's the approach he took, which I, I just thought was great. Speaking as a scientist, he writes here, the first evidential alert to causality is always temporal association. that's very carefully worded let me uh, unpack that for all of us speaking of scientists the first evidential alert so the first thing you're like oh i think i've got some some evidence here to causality that is oh this thing that just happened it might have been caused by this other thing right somebody pulled the trigger there was a loud noise now there's blood on that person's chest because of the temporal association of those events you might say "Mm, there's possibly a causal connection between that blood and that loud noise that just happened over there. Whereas if somebody pulled the trigger and five hours later, blood suddenly appeared on that person's chest, you might say, mm, the, the timing's wrong here. It's you know, much harder to make the causal link there, and it may not exist. So the first evidential alert to causality is always temporal association. That's a good way. That's a good place to start. He writes, continuing, quote, of necessity, association should prompt further investigation so if you have that temporal association that's where you want to begin that that's the first place you go oh there might be something to this right oh i just filled my car up with what i thought was gasoline and half mile later the car engine is sputtering and has now stopped you might go back and check what you just did there did oops did you use the diesel pump in a gasoline car hey it can happen right so again that first place you want to start your investigation is whenever you find a temporal association. Now, what's interesting is he 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 went through all the proper channels in this. Uh, wrote to the head of this Medsafe thing right here, which is a Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, who editorially, if the office is ever looking to recast characters, I think I think he'd be a shoo-in for the Toby character. Just I'm just going by looks, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield here's what does he have to say um this uh the hatchet report writes says on 28th October I wrote to Dr Ashley Bloomfield pointing to the unusually high level of adverse effects and requesting that reporting of adverse effects should be mandatory rather than voluntary Well, of course they should be when you have a brand new drug that your own country didn't even make that's shipped in in a lot of secrecy where you can't even see the base data that's going behind it, and you know it's experimental. Everybody knows it was experimental. Well, what do you do with an experimental compound? Very simply, you want to track all the data really, really carefully because there's going to be things you're going to learn, maybe positive things, maybe negative things. It's an experiment, but things are only experiments if you remember to collect the data. Otherwise, they're not actually experiments. So at any rate, it should have been mandatory, the collecting of these adverse effects, absolutely. In fact, maybe it should have been mandatory to collect all sorts of effects, right? We would want lots and lots of data. Maybe these shots cure cancer. How would you know? Well, you'd have to collect a lot of data to find out. So this is something that should probably always happen with any experimental medicine. And even one that goes through the quote unquote, full approval process, Even when it's on the market, you want to do a lot of sentinel recording and reporting. You just want to see what's going on out there. All right. Yesterday, he writes here, continuing on, quote, yesterday, December 17th, I received a tardy reply from Astrid Kornief, director of the National Immunization Program, writing on behalf of Dr. Ashley Bloomfield. So I didn't hear directly from Ashley himself, but from somebody writing on his behalf, Astrid Kornief. Writing here, quote, in this, Astrid specifically rejects my request saying, quote, an accurate measurement of all adverse events is not required. Q scratchy record sound. Like that, one. <laughs> whoa, say what? An accurate measurement of all adverse events is not required. Okay, I gotta, let's parse that. What do you mean by accurate measurement? And, uh, we only need a sample. How big should that sample be? And, and how would we know we're getting a statistically valid sample or we're even getting an unbiased sample? I, I could understand why you don't need actually to accurately measure all adverse events to find out if you have a safety signal. But this is very dismissive, just saying, oh, no, no, we don't have to measure this stuff. Um, not required. Uh, and further suggested I confine myself to trusting Ministry of Health websites rather than public domain sources, her letter offered this view of the determination of causal relationships. Quote, we are aware of reports circulating in social media where an adverse event has a temporal association with a vaccination. This is not indicative of a causal relationship to the vaccine. Causal relationships between adverse events and the vaccine are established through robust pharmacovigilance examinations that take into consideration global reporting of the adverse event, the background rate for the condition, and safety signal analysis. Okay, true, but only if you actually do that. Uh, But there's a second exception here, which is actually this is false. It's not true that you can only establish a relationship between an adverse event by doing robust pharmacovigilance examinations global reporting adverse events, and background rates. It's, it's actually not true. In fact, having that first temporal relationship can be sufficient to give you an actual causation, and here's why. When this gentleman in the Hatchard Report took two things on this left axis, right here is total vaccine doses. You can see it's going from 35,000 to 70,000, 105,000, um, and on this axis is total deaths of all causes from uh, those in the 60-plus crowd. So in red is vaccine doses here, and then these are all-cause deaths marching up here. Pretty easy to see what he is describing here as, quote, the temporal association between all-cause deaths and vaccinations for the 60-plus age cohort during the rollout of the mRNA vaccine in New Zealand between the beginning of March 2021 to the end of October 2021 is graphically rather obvious even to a layperson. Yeah, pretty. Think so? Hmm. Wonder what it could be. Uh. By the way, again, there's no COVID confounding this particular chart, so we'd have to come up with some other explanation besides the one that's just staring us right in the face here for why there was a big old lump of 60 plus total adverse event, sorry, total excess deaths Um, all-cause deaths there that coincided pretty tightly with the vaccinations. He writes in continuing here, quote, as weekly vaccination numbers rise to a peak, deaths peak. As vaccination numbers begin to fall, deaths also fall. The number of excess deaths in the weeks following vaccination is consistent with reports of 670 suspicious deaths proximate to vaccination submitted voluntarily to the New Zealand Health Forum. And it could actually be larger, end quote. Why larger? Because underreporting is not just possible. It's actually encouraged in these systems. It's encouraged in the United States to underreport these things. I know families that have tried like crazy to have their own family member's death be put into the US system, which is the VAERS system. No luck, doctor, no enter it, won't do it. Um, because the doctor doesn't want to get in trouble, because if the doctor enters it, somebody's going to come knocking on their door and say, why'd you enter this? There's a really strong push to not put these things in the U.S. system. I've heard maybe it's not as strong, maybe it's stronger. I don't know how strong it is, but I've heard the same sort of resistance to getting full reporting exists in the New Zealand system. So I'm comfortable saying whatever you see in the New Zealand system is an underreport of what probably actually happened. Uh, that's a pretty typical thing for the yellow card system in the UK, the VAR system in the US, Medsafe down here in New Zealand, et cetera. So I don't know, that looks pretty clear to me. And it's cool, if you can use that term, it's cool in, in New Zealand because there's no COVID confounding this. There's no way of saying, oh, you don't know, Chris, that rise in deaths could be due to COVID. I can say, actually, I do know. It's not due to that. Um, it's due to something else. And it correlates really, really strongly in a temporal fashion with the administration of vaccines. So that's pretty strong. And in normal days, this would be solid temporal scientific evidence that you would be able to use as a strong starting point for the rest of the things that I agree with. Once you have this then go in there and establish robust pharmacovigilance examinations, look at global reporting, look at the background rates for the conditions, start digging in there, maybe do some autopsies, um, take blood work, you know, get some data. None of that's really happening. Because again, for whatever reason, the health authorities are not interested in finding out the truth. And speaking of truth, I gotta talk to you about uh, trickle-truthing. We're undergoing quite a bit of it right now in relationships um trickle truth is a term refers to this quote facts that are gradually and reluctantly admitted by one significant other under questioning especially about having been unfaithful uh they might say oh yeah no i i just saw them for coffee and then later they'll say oh coffee plus we held hands and then much later after suspicions rise oh yeah there was a, a peck on the cheek um, oh, yeah, no, it was actually on the lips, um, and on and on. So over time, the trickle truth is designed to sort of blunt the impact of the truth, which is maybe they just went home and slept with that person, right? All right, so here's our trickle truth moment of the day. Uh, this is from Reuters, and, you know, Reuters. Reuters is um, is uh, heavily conflicted because their CEO serves on the board of Pfizer. And the Reuters fact-checkers, as Dave Colum says, if you believe... The Reuters fact checkers, you are a special kind of stupid quote. That's from Dave Collum. Why? Because Reuters fact checkers are opinion checkers, loose fact checkers. We don't know who they are. They get it wrong all the time. They've been horrible at it and very, very one-sided. It's not like coin flip. They got it wrong 50% of the time. They're just bad fact checkers. In fact, they are biased fact checkers, so they're not actually fact checkers when you have a bias like that at any rate what are they trickle-truthing us today they say here Israeli study shows fourth shot of COVID-19 vaccine less effective on Omicron this coming to us from January 17th not that surprising to anybody watching this I'm sure so let's look at the article in yellow up top quote it says a fourth shot of COVID-19 vaccine boosts antibodies to even higher levels than the third jab but it's not enough to prevent Omicron infections, according to a preliminary study in Israel. Uh, okay, um, so it yeah, the third jab provided antibodies. The fourth provides even higher levels, but even not that many more. Uh, just a just where you see we're asymptoting. We're we're getting less bang for our buck. Uh, we're getting you know more and more and more jabs in there, and less and less and less of a response. Which surprise. Uh, People like Geer Vandenbosch told us that was how this would work a year ago or more. So this isn't actually surprising data. It's only surprising that we had to run a study to discover it. At any rate, continuing the quote here, they say Israel's Sheba Medical Center has given second booster shots. So they've had the two priming shots or what used to be called fully vaccinated, plus a booster, which would be the third, plus a second booster, which is the fourth. So when they say second booster shot, they're talking about the fourth jab. They've given the second booster shots in a trial among its staff and is studying the effect of the Pfizer booster in 154 people after two weeks and the Moderna booster in 120 people after one week. Not sure why they're looking at Moderna after only one week and Pfizer after two. A little unclear, but possibly because Moderna has a much, much, much stronger uh, vaccine or product, whatever we want to call this thing, because it has 100 micrograms of RNA in there as compared to 30 for the Pfizer. All right, in green, continuing, quote, these were compared to a control group, air quotes, control group, that did not receive the fourth shot. So that means they did, your control group was people who received the third shot. Okay, all right, so they're comparing third groups to fourth shot groups. That's their control group. You know what would have been a super awesome control group? Totally unvaccinated people and people who'd had two jabs. Um, Then we would have had some real controls. At any rate, their control group (laughs) was uh, people who'd been triple jabbed. All right. At any rate, uh, those in the Moderna group had previously received three shots of Pfizer's vaccine. So it looks like Israel is now experimenting with Moderna. So they threw that into the mix because Israel was almost exclusively or even was completely exclusively a Pfizer jab country. So now they're trying out Moderna and they're taking Moderna and they're slapping it on top of the Pfizer vaccine. By the way, I am not aware of a single controlled study where they experiment the mixing and matching of these particular vaccines but it's being tried all over the place desperate much it's not good science not good medicine but uh, the experiment is being run let's hope they remember at least to collect the data because then it'll be an actual experiment all right uh the vaccines they say here in white uh led to an increase in the number of antibodies even a little bit higher than what we had after the third dose said regev okay quote in yellow yet this is probably not enough for the Omicron, she told reporters. We know by now that the level of antibodies needed to protect and not get infected from Omicron is probably too high for the vaccine, even if it's a good vaccine. All right. End quote. <laughs> even if it's a good vaccine. Hey, a uh, little tip here, Regev, Um Good vaccines work. So, uh just just to find just i don't want to put too fine a point on that but that's actually how it how it is Uh, a good vaccine would actually work what we can say is these vaccines don't work against omicron but thank you for trying they're trying they're trying they're trying more uh what are they doing they're going to give a third jab a fourth jab sooner or later they're going to go you know these things don't really work against omicron which was obvious to everybody months ago but yet they try um, so the data is coming out, and I were getting that trickle truth, which is uh, that these things just don't. these vaccines do not work against Omicron. By the way, Omicron works against Omicron really well, and Omicron works against all the prior versions so far as we know so far. so it provides pretty good immunity. How durable that is? We don't know. Omicron has not been around long enough for us to really know that. But at any rate, let me amend that trickle-truth headline for everyone. It now reads, Israeli study shows fourth shot of COVID vaccine less effective than Omicron. Because <laughs> I think that's what that's what I see in that data. Um, so just have a little fun with that headline. But yeah, we got to put that little change in right there. Um, what else can I tell you? Oh, well, Time, Time Magazine uh, came out with expert opinions. I had to put expert in quotes. You'll see why in a second. Uh, The headline is, no, you should not try to get Omicron. That's the headline. Reading from the article in yellow, quote, but actively trying to get infective isn't wise for anyone, experts say. okay, who are these experts? I love experts. Quote, it's an unnecessary gamble for fully vaccinated people. And for those who aren't vaccinated, it's like playing Russian roulette with an automatic handgun says, Dr. Leolu Feyonju, regional medical director for Oak Street Health in Ohio. All right, okay, regional medical director. That's our expert. Russian roulette with an automatic handgun. <laughs> that means, obviously, with an automatic handgun, there's always a bullet in the chamber. So if you do that, you're just gonna shoot yourself and you're gonna die. So Dr. Leolu Feyanju, regional medical director for Oak Street in Ohio, his expert opinion is um, you're gonna die for sure if you get infected with the Omicron, if you're unvaccinated. Hold that thought for a minute. We'll show you some data next. Continuing on, quote, but even if Omicron is on the whole milder than other variants, it will still be catastrophic for some people. On January 3rd alone, more than 1,400 people in the U.S. died from COVID-19 and more than 100,000 were hospitalized with the virus. Oh my goodness, we're still here. Can you see how we're still here in this story? Let's pick that apart. Two things, 1,400 people died from COVID, they said. Well, now, was that from or with, and was that with this variant, or were they still on ventilators for three months from a prior variant? Did any of these people receive early treatments that we know they should have, but probably didn't? Did they go to the hospital and get slammed on remdesivir and a ventilator right away because that's state-of-the-art care you know it may be a regional health center in ohio um in other words were they um helped along towards the pearly gates by really bad substandard medical practices uh, we need to know that before we could say how true that 1400 people statistic is and then the next one hundred thousand people were hospitalized with the virus Even the CDC and Fauci have started to parse that out and said, with, with is not helpful. Are they there because of the virus or with the virus? So here we see Time Magazine trotting it out, saying, no, you should not try to get Omicron. That's the expert opinion. Interesting expert they had to find there to to support that. Meanwhile, non-expert opinions are very much that Omicron variant encourages some... Which include, by which they mean almost everybody, to drop COVID 19 precautions despite the risks. Hyperinfectiousness and low disease severity convince some of diminished danger. Health experts say risks remain. Here's that expert thing again. Let's look into this article. Pretty cool. January 17th, Wall Street Journal by Renee and uh, Sumathi here in yellow up top. Quote. Omicron's ubiquity and reduced severity are encouraging some people to drop pandemic precautions, decisions that public health experts say present new risks for people at risk of severe COVID-19 outcomes. Well, okay, they're parsing it a little bit here. So public health experts say present new risks for people at risk of severe COVID-19 outcomes. Okay, at least we're at that part. At least the Wall Street Journal's made that nod in the opening paragraph. Thank you, WSJ, for doing that because some people are at risk for severe COVID-19 outcomes. So maybe those people should be more careful. They should take extra precautions. They ought to be protected. Maybe they should be triple jabbed or quadruple jabbed, or maybe they ought to have access to the earliest of the early treatments. Absolutely. So there's a lot of things we could do there, but let's see what happens when they continue on in green. Quote, people, including those who got vaccinated and boosted and curtailed their activities for months, are letting their guard down in the face of a variant that appears to be infecting everyone, but causing largely mild illness. Hmm, what about that, largely mild illness? That might get people to drop their guard, (laughs) because guess what? We don't care about mild illnesses. In purple at the bottom, quote, this is a dangerous way of thinking, doctors and scientists say, dangerous. Omicron still poses risks to more vulnerable people, including the elderly, immunocompromised, and those with underlying health conditions. Uh, okay, so it's true, but not everybody's elderly, vulnerable, or immunocompromised. And the people who are those things, they probably know that. I think the experts don't think people know that. They're just wandering around, old, immunocompromised, and vulnerable, and they don't know that. Somehow that's escaped their attention. They just like didn't 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 look in the mirror this year. You know, it just there's didn't weren't tracking that um I get, so again uh i gotta make light of this because it's just silly at this point in time um it's absolutely the case that uh omicron is vastly vastly less dangerous even the cdc had to recognize that Here, here's the cdc here's rochelle walensky who i have just absolutely no respect for at this point and i've lost all respect for the cdc and by the way if there are any cdc whistleblowers listening to this just ping me um, you can get me at c martinson you know over there um and uh on Twitter or just reach out or find me somehow just let me know you want to slip me something I'll get you a a secure email you can send me things to it'd be awesome but at any rate that's assuming there's anybody left with integrity at the CDC hard hard to imagine there is but she writes even here according to a new study that had come out at Kaiser Permanente in Southern California less risk of symptomatic hospitalization with Omicron, 74% less risk of ICU admission, 91% less risk of death, zero Omicron patients required mechanical ventilation. This is a vastly different beast. And by the way, uh, those are of people who actually are presenting to the medical system with a proper case. Omicron sweeps through so wildly that on an infection, morbidity or fatality rate, we would find excuse me we would find uh that these numbers are even more dramatically reduced compared to delta um because so many dramatically more people have been infected because of how fast Omicron sweeps through. All right. Uh, a lot of awkward questions are showing up here. Then this is my last slide closing up with this. So <laughs> in slate, they're writing, so you're triple vax and still got COVID. Now what? And this person did, uh, who wrote this article. They just like, ah, oh, this is awkward. And I don't know. And, you know, of course, a little buyer's remorse or jabber's remorse, uh, regret there. Just thinking, eh, ah, this didn't work out quite the way I was hoping and feeling a little lied to. Rod Dreher, who I, um, who i just interviewed great interview you might want to check out the rod dreyer uh, uh interview that i just did fantastic what a guy i really like this guy writing in his tweet here he said day six of covid now my wife and kids have it too all of us vaxxed wife and i both boosted not long ago everybody we know who has omicron was vaxxed most also boosted repeat that everybody we know who has omicron was vaxxed most also boosted so, I got to ask, what's the point of the vaccine passports now? Security theater, prepping social credit system. By the way, this really blew up. Look at that 111,000 likes, 28,000 retweets, 6.8 thousand comments. Unbelievable. Um, so, Rod really struck lightning with that one. But you got to ask, I mean, this is it. This is the awkward questions. You got to ask that. Like, what is the point now of the vaccine mandates? Obviously, it's the case that the narrative around the vaccines is totally shredded they can't even give it up though they're like whoa i don't know maybe we should um let's see uh, this one yeah i don't know Let, let's just give people it. i know the f- first two jabs didn't work the third didn't work let's try four <laughs> it's like dude they're not working omicron shredded your jab uh, hypothesis so they don't work um against omicron and by the way omicron ain't all that deadly and so you got to ask the awkward questions, which is like, well, now that we know that narrative is, is totally busted now, what's the point? Is it security theater? Is it prepping us for some social credit system? Is it, what's the agenda? So here's the deal. The narrative is broken. The agenda is rolling along. Austria, going to force vaccinate everybody. Australia, totally insane. You know, they have at the Australian Open. They kicked out um, Novak Djokovic. It can't come in here and they had a ball boy just keel over on the court the other day in 70 degree temperatures I don't think it was heat stroke right so the narrative is broken but the agenda rolls on and so it's time for us to rise up and to absolutely break this narrative thanks so much for listening to this remember we have this incredible um let me see if I can find this here yeah Uh, We have this incredible event coming up. This is our annual seminar. It's going to be really important this year. We are talking specifically about the agenda, what the agenda is. Brett Weinstein is going to tell us all about it, how you can evade the agenda. Ben Swan's got an incredible thing. Royce White, incredible uh, framing for this. We're also got George Gammon. We're going to be talking about the economic side of this. I don't know if you've been seeing, but the markets are looking like they're ready to creak and, and fall over. Oil is shooting up stocks are falling, uh, interest rates are spiking. What does all of that mean? Anyway, the point of this whole annual seminar is to get you ready to thrive in the next year. So this is really getting you ready. This is the year in preview. We had Dave Colum's year in review. Now we're doing our year in preview. So you have the data and information and context you need to make a plan. Also, you get to meet people. So this is an extraordinary virtual event where we've opened up a bunch of rooms where you get to meet each other come to peak 2022.events and you can find out more about that and get a ticket and would love to see you there so we've got a bunch of people showing up it's so far fantastically attended so we're happy as can be with this uh seminar event it's going to be great hope to see you there hey thanks so much for listening today uh you get my smiling mug again back next time all right everybody thanks for listening see you next time